The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Play action. Oh, he's got it right deep. He's got Rocket Ismail. He's done it. He'll score, and the Cowboys will win. 76 yards. Ends the game in overtime. A record for Troy Aikman. Five touchdowns in a single game. And the Dallas Cowboys have stunned the Redskins 41-35. to In one for the ages between Dallas and Washington. Why did I open up the show with the Rocket Ishmael game, you ask? Well, that was the first game of the Dan Snyder era. September 12th, 1999, Dan had just taken over the franchise a few months earlier. That was the first time he sat in his box at FedEx Field as the owner of the team, a team that he would own for 24 years, a long and painful 24 years. Uh, That comes to an end this afternoon. I'm recording this podcast, by the way, before the vote. We'll have, you know, the vote uh, and all of the follow-up to the vote uh, on tomorrow's show. Uh, But, yeah, that Rocket Ishmael game, and everybody who's a hardcore fan knows the Rocket Ishmael game, uh, that was a bit of a harbinger of things to come. What a game it was. I I looked up the box score from this game. We all remember that Washington had a 35-14 to lead, and Aikman led a, a comeback. They scored 21 in the fourth quarter to tie it up. Um, but that overtime play, by the way, uh, Ishmael is wide open. Everybody bit on the play fake to Emmett Smith in the backfield. He ran by Daryl Green. He ran by the safety, 76 yards and a no-brainer touchdown. Uh, In that game, though, Brad Johnson threw for 382 and two touchdowns. Total yardage in the game, 1,045 yards in in the game. Each team went over 500 yards of total offense. Um, Remember, if Dan had gotten his way after he bought the team because he wanted to undo the Brad Johnson trade, Brad Johnson wouldn't have been the quarterback that day for the Redskins. Uh, But anyway, that was uh, Dan's first game as owner, the Rocket Ishmael game. The last one for him as the owner was the Sam Howell game over Dallas at the end of last year. Now, he was not there for that game. Remember, he didn't go to the last uh, few games. Uh, If you're wondering, you probably were not wondering, I was, so I looked it up. During the Snyder era, Washington was 15 and 33 against the Cowboys. 15 and 33. And keep in mind, it's not like those were the Jimmy Johnson Super Bowl Cowboy teams during the Dan Snyder era. He got there after the Super Bowls that Jerry uh, won. Uh, 15 and 33 against the Cowboys. Gibbs was 4 and 4 against Dallas with Dan as the owner. Ron Rivera is 3 and 3 against the Cowboys so far. Only one coach of the 10 that coached here over the 24 uh, the 24 year Snyder reign. Only one coach had a winning record under Dan. I I think sometimes everybody just says no coach that coached for Dan ever had a winning record. That's actually not true. I think we sometimes forget that Norv 
in his one complete season with Dan as the owner in 1999, went 10 and 6, and then in 2000, before he got fired at the end of the year, he was 7 and 6. So Norv was the first Snyder uh, coaching casualty, the first time he booted a coach, but he was he was 17 and 12. Under Snyder, he did not have a winning record as the Washington coach, but Norv was 17 and 12 under Snyder. So technically, Snyder did have one winning coach, and it was Norv Turner, and he fired him at the end of his second season. Marty was 8 and 8, 500, and then all of the other eight coaches, full time and interim. Don't forget Terry Rabinsky, or as Dion called him, Terry Rabinsky. Uh, Bill Callahan as well. All of the other coaches, including Joe Gibbs, left here with losing records. I personally hate giving Dan any credit for 1999. That 10-6 season with a playoff win goes on his record, but he had nothing to do with it and tried his best to ruin it before it started. Rocket Ishmael. Oh, man, the days of Washington versus Dallas meaning something. Uh, That would be fun to see again down the road. Uh, The show today is brought to you by the Circa Million and the Circa Survivor Pools out at the Circa Sportsbook Hotel and Casino out in Vegas. It's the biggest and best sports book out in Vegas. The Circa Million guarantees $6 million in prizes, a million dollars to the winner. Pick five teams against the spread every week. Uh, And if your record is the best at the end of the season, you'll take home a million dollars. But there are another five million in guaranteed prizes in that pool. The Circus Survivor Pool is like any survivor pool. You pick one team straight up, no spread, uh, each week to win. Uh, If that team loses or ties, you're out. You can only pick each team once per season. Eight million dollars is guaranteed to the winner or winners in that contest. So $14 million in guaranteed prizes for the Circa Million and the Circa Survivor Pool. There's no rake, so if entries go above the guarantee, all extra money will go to the prize pool. Entries close September 9th at 2 p.m. They're open right now. The last chance to enter is September 9th at 2 o'clock. You must register in person at a circus sports book in Nevada. So I understand you got to be in Nevada to do this. Uh, weekly picks can be made, however, through a proxy from anywhere, including your home. The Circa Million, the Circa Survivor Pools are the biggest and the best out in Vegas. If you're planning a trip to Vegas before the end of the summer or right before week one of the NFL season, consider these contests. Uh, They are good ones. So Washington hasn't won the Super Bowl as we know since January of 1992, basically just over 31 years ago. It was their third Super Bowl win in 10 years. They went to four over a 10-year period. They won three of them. At that moment in time, Washington was one of the best two franchises in the NFL. The other one was the 49ers. The two of them were the teams of the 80s. And Washington had just won the 91 Super Bowl. There was no indication on that day back in January of 1992 when the Skins annihilated the Bills that we wouldn't get close to another Super Bowl for 31 years. Man, that 91 team was so good. I think one of the greatest of all time. Uh, 14 and 2 in the regular season, two losses, one in the season finale to the Eagles, uh, where the starters basically sat much of the game, and the other one, a close loss to the Cowboys, remember that ended that 11 and 0 start and their run at a perfect season. Uh, they dominated the playoffs. They won three games against Atlanta, Detroit, and Buffalo by a margin of 102 to 41. Those 91 skins were awesome. But that was the culmination of an incredible run by the franchise. You know, if you go back to 1971 and the arrival of George Allen, there was a 22-year period with George Allen, Jack Pardee for a brief period, and then Joe Gibbs as the coach um, that if you put side-by-side with Dan's 24 years, kind of tells – the tale kind of tells why we are where we are to a certain degree uh, as it relates to the results on the field. That run from 1971 through 
actually 1992 because the 91 team went back to the playoffs in 92 and they won a game uh, in the postseason. Um, but during that 22-year run of 71 to 92, the franchise went 215, 114, and 1. 101 games above 500. During that 22-year span, 28 playoff games, 18 and 10 record in those playoff games, five Super Bowl appearances, three Lombardi trophies. You know, the result was one of the most successful franchises in the league and one of the most passionate fan bases in all of sports. By contrast, Dan Snyder's 24 seasons, 164, 220, and 2. All right, 56 games below 500. Two playoff wins. Two. The last one 17 years ago. And again, the first one came in that 1999 season where he didn't have a chance at that point to put his paws all over the roster, uh, which he wanted to do, um, but he didn't have enough time to screw up the 99 team. I hate giving him credit for that, but it goes on his record. Uh, 56 games under 500, more than twice as many last place finishes than anybody in the NFC East. A franchise that was awful most of the time and average the rest of the time. And really, you know, absent of the Joe Gibbs teams, two of them anyway, that went to the postseason, and the RG3 2012 season, there really weren't any moments of legitimate on-the-field hope. And then, of course, off the field, the way he behaved, the way the organization behaved, he truly ran what was one of the great organizations in the NFL and in sports into the ground in 24 years. Uh, We've been through it over and over again. I know that. Um, Dan was an absolute disaster as an owner. His teams not only lost and lost a lot, the behavior of his organization was, you know, at best immature and at worst, you know, arrogant, dumb, and mean. You know, uh, he got here in 99, and yeah, the team was in the midst of a tough run. I, I have not forgotten that. But the passion for the team hadn't waned. Norv was the man Jack Kent Cook and Charlie Casserly picked to help kind of rebuild the franchise in 94 after the Gibbs run and the one, you know, Richie Pettibone year. And the team was old when Gibbs, when Gibbs and Pettibone um, were done with it. Free agency and the salary cap were part of the game. No longer could you draft players and stash them on IR like this franchise did for several years until they were ready to play. Um, and yeah, I remember 93 to 98, just two winning seasons in six years, no playoff appearances. But remember, the 99 draft, which was before Snyder took over the team, was the draft where Charlie pulled off one of the all time one sided trades. You know, dealing with the Saints and Mike Ditka. You know, they wanted Ricky Williams so badly. Washington moves from number five overall back two spots, just two spots to number seven overall in the first round. And they get the Saints' entire 1999 draft, and they get the Saints' first and third round picks in the 2000 draft. By the way, that first round pick would become number two overall. Washington, remember, in the 2000 draft had number two and number three and took Chris Samuels and LeVar Arrington. Uh, Plus, they traded in that offseason before Snyder took over uh, for Brad Johnson, and things were looking up again. Um, But, you know, before Snyder arrived, it was still our team. You know, when Dan purchased the the team, it became his. And the love affair, uh, even though most of us didn't really know it at the time, the love affair with the team would start a decline in 1999 that lasted 24 years to a point where we are today with two-thirds of what was the fan base then gone or mostly gone. Uh, I talked about some of you know what I'll mention now a few months ago, but Dan saw the team as his team, not ours, and it's the way he did business. 
You know, if you were a season ticket holder, a fan of the team, a business partner of the team, if you were an employee of the team, you were made to feel like you should be grateful that he and his organization were giving you the opportunity to be a part of what he owned. You were the lucky one, not him. Uh, You know, I I talked about this a few months ago. He never viewed us as the customer. He viewed us as a target, as an ATM. And he took advantage of us because we were so devoted, so emotionally attached that we were easy to take advantage of. You know, the product didn't have to be good as long as the memories of it being good made us write another check for tickets or put down another credit card for a jersey. The whole thing was a scam. It was a con. We were slow to the punch to figure it out, but eventually we got there. Most of us did anyway. Um, And that's what we dealt with. We dealt with a guy who was focused on making money. We dealt with a guy who came into an organization that we had been used to uh, as classy and well-behaved. Uh, and, uh, you know, I talked about this before, but it was like the Griswold showed up in 1999, rude, crass, uh, mindless, dumb, and arrogant. You know, the losing was bad enough. Um, but we've talked about this lovable losers survive. That wasn't the case with this group. They were the worst combination, arrogant and dumb mistake after mistake after mistake. But the arrogance always got in the way of learning from those mistakes. You know, it was never, ever his fault. It was always someone else's fault. And his lack of self-awareness and understanding of that, combined with the impulsivity, made it much worse for him because nobody smacked himself in the face as much as this guy did. You know, we talked about the emails uh, on John Gruden, um, you know, the private investigators intimidating former employees. This guy did it to himself. But we helped get the franchise to where it is today, which is starting late today, a franchise that will move forward without the worst owner in the history of the NFL for all intents and purposes. We helped. You know, because while we were suckers for many, many years, most of us finally figured it out. We got slapped around so much, we finally said no. And over the last five to six years, the acceleration of the loss of the fan base was in overdrive. There were stragglers, you know, there were stragglers. There were 10, 12, 15,000 a week that made their way out to FedEx Field. God bless you. Bless your hearts. Uh, you didn't help, but I don't you know, hold it against you because there were enough people that really hit him where it hurt the most, and that was in his wallet. You know, they were borrowing money. Uh, the, uh, the, the league was looking at them like the worst earner in the league, lowest attendance, local TV ratings in the dumper, private sponsorship, corporate sponsorship in the dumper. We had a lot to do with getting it to where it got to today. Look, look, without the John Gruden emails and the private investigators, you know, uh, intimidating, et cetera, all of that stuff that brought out the Congressional Oversight Committee that started that investigation into the Tiffany Johnston and eventually the Jason Friedman stuff, the league finally got to the point. And look, the Snyders, I think, were already headed there, the family. Uh, to, you know, getting him to sell the team without having to force him out, which I still to this day don't think would ever happen. The women that came forward, the many, many women, dozens that came forward um, and talked about their employment with the team uh, led to so much, including the Beth Wilkinson investigation, which has led to this three-year period of investigation after investigation after investigation, lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. They're still coming. Mary Jo White, by the way, is in Minneapolis for this league vote. She's apparently, according to reports, um, going to update the owners on her investigation. We did learn the other day that Dan actually met with Mary Jo White. That was our big reveal um, by Nikki Javala and Mark Maskey in the Post. But... The women that came forward, um, those that supported those women, uh, all of us as fans, 
Um, and certainly, Dan, uh, the, the, the big reason why he's lost his team, his behavior, his incompetence over a long period of time, regardless of whether or not he really loved the team and wanted to win, he never learned how. Um, but we've, you know, we've helped this along, and here we are. Uh, we are here, um, and it's the start of a new era. And I have to be totally honest with you. I am not super passionate. Um, I'm not super celebratory right now. It's a bit bittersweet. It's sweet that he's going. It's bitter that... He sucked the life out of the team for so many of us, me included, and that I don't feel the same way I felt about the team five years ago. I think 2017 was kind of the mark for me. I know it it was the final year of Kirk, understood, but I think just the handling of that and the behavior around that, um, I just think that, you know, that was another rock bottom moment. And I think it was the last one for me. And I, I really did start, look, there were moments end of 2009, Tommy and I talked about that the other day, um, end of 2013, you know, I promised that, you know, I remember after Shanahan was fired and he picked RG three over Shanahan and his staff, I said, you know, it's going to be hard for me to be back in full, you know, uh, with, 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 with blinders on, um, I'm going to have to have, uh, some proof here that Snyder's had an epiphany that he, he understands it's him. Um, but anyway, uh, it's been four or five years. I've been honest with everybody and all of you have been honest with me. I mean, you've all shared a lot of, you know, how you feel, um, about the team. And I, um, I got a lot of tweets today and a lot of calls from various people who, you know, kind of felt this feel the same way I do, which is if we could push the clock back five years, this is, you know, put the lampshade on, let's get hammered and let's celebrate deep into the night, into the early morning hours of tomorrow. You know, we finally got what we got. This uh, tweet I wanted to read, it came from, you know, at Skins Draft. Happy for folks that can savor Dan Snyder's exit. I'm not going to pee on anyone's parade. It's unmistakably good news no matter how you slice it. Though his his rebrand finally killed it for me. I remember what it felt like to want him gone more than anything in the world. Enjoy. Yeah, I remember those days too. And I am glad he's gone. And I love games and I love talking about games. And there at least now is this light at the end of the tunnel that says it's a normal, uh, it, it will be a normal functioning franchise. And we don't have to suspend the reality that Dan Snyder still owes, uh, owns this team. It'll be interesting if they start to do things that we all like and they start to win on the field, how many of us will come back and feel the same way about the team that we used to feel. I think more likely than not, um, if they produce a really good product that we're proud of and that represents the city, I think we'll be back, but we'll treat it as something new that we're into. Um, and we'll remember the old, uh, but treat this as something new, and maybe it'll just become a new passion at some point. The chance now exists for that to happen. It didn't with Dan here. Later in the show, I'm going to play uh, the second part of my conversation with Andy Pollan. I promised yesterday that you would hear that. I'm also going to end the show today with some more sound. This is sound of Joe Gibbs that I found on the internet, and it's just kind of Joe um, doing Joe things in interviews where he fears the upcoming opponent and then talks about how he's going to need the fans. And it was just the ultimate in under-promising and over-delivering. I hope that's what this next group understands more than anything else. Speaking of this next group, it's very possible by the time that you listen Uh, to this podcast, that Josh Harris has already made some remarks. Now, I do think that tomorrow there will be a press uh, conference of sorts uh, at the uh, event that they're having at FedEx Field. Um, So uh, we will comment on all of those on a podcast either tomorrow, or I might wait, especially if it's later in the afternoon. I may wait until Saturday morning uh, to put out so that we have all of the sound from the new group. 
uh, Josh Harris, maybe Mitchell Rails will speak, maybe Magic Johnson will speak. Who knows? But when we come back and before we get to Andy, I'm going to give you my suggested opening remarks for Josh Harris the first time he's actually in one of those, you know, press conference settings. We will do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's possible as you are listening to this podcast that Josh Harris has already made some remarks. I would imagine coming out of that ballroom after the vote today uh, that Josh Harris and Roger Goodell will be ambushed by some of the reporters. Uh, But I think something more formal will happen tomorrow. And when that happens, we're going to hear, you know, Josh Harris, I think, maybe even Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson. um, But we're going to hear the new owner for the first time in a press conference setting. I think that'll happen tomorrow. So if I were given the responsibility as kind of a PR person to write up some introductory remarks for Josh Harris, uh, this is what I would say. And by the way, I would I would start with uh, by saying, keep it short, okay? Brevity uh, for this. Uh, you'd have to really prep him on the Q&A. Um, but I would also suggest going into it, do not mention the Snyders uh, and do not mention Commanders. I'm serious about that. You'll see how I got around uh, in the remarks that I would suggest saying Commanders. But this is how it would go. Josh Harris would step to the podium and he would say, it's an honor and a privilege to be here today as the newest NFL owner. I want to thank Commissioner Goodell and the other 31 owners for giving us this opportunity. I also want to thank the rest of our ownership group. Without all of you, this wouldn't have happened. To Washington, D.C., to the DMV and the fans of a football franchise that has played in this city since 1937, We pledge to do everything in our power to earn your support. You'll never be taken for granted. This is your team, too. For those of you that have lost faith, I'm not asking you today to give it back blindly. I'll just ask that you give us a chance to prove to you that we can put a competitive product on the field and one that you can be proud of off of it. I don't have a lot of answers. I don't have a lot of details to share with you today because we just got here. The process of purchasing the team has been many months in the making, and it's been our focus. I will promise a few things, though. We're going to be a group that makes decisions based on, will it help us win? Turning this once-proud franchise into a winning organization again is the goal. I'll add that there are things that are important to our fans, and we know what many of those things are. Many in our ownership group are from here. They're lifelong fans of the team. We are sensitive to the issues that are important to many of you. Every issue that is important to our fans will be taken seriously. Every issue. We can't wait to get to Ashburn to meet the rest of our team. We'll get to work right away. Be patient with us. We've got a lot to learn. We've got a lot to figure out. This season is just around the corner. We can't wait for the opener against the Cardinals on September 10th. Hope to see you out there. Thanks so much for this opportunity. That would be it. Short, sweet, move on. 
to Mitch Rails, Magic Johnson, coach them up. That's what Josh Harris should say. There's probably going to be a Q&A, but he's got to be prepped for that for sure. Uh, up next, my part two with my good friend Andy Poland from yesterday. You'll hear that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This segment of the show brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC and you can secure a first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. You have to use my promo code Kevin DC, mybookie.com, mybookie.ag. They've got all of the NFL prop bets that you'd want at this point, all of the week one and week two lines. You can bet NFL week two right now uh, if you want. Um, the season prop bets on the over under win uh, totals, Washington at six and a half. Uh, is there a win total for the upcoming season? Mybookie.com, mybookie.ag, promo code Kevin. DC. So this morning, um, and I took calls on this, uh, the moments in which Dan Snyder did something and you were like, uh, okay, we got to give him some credit for that one. Number one is like easy. There's, there's a moment more than any other that Dan Snyder gets credit for, and you know what it is, and I know what it is. Yeah, Gibbs, of course. It's yeah. Gibbs' return. Gibbs coming back. The king comes yeah. back. Um, and Dan Snyder pulled it off. God, Andy, you know, um, that, those were the first days of me working at the radio station. Yeah. Yeah. That that was, that, those were the first days I, I somehow got a gig doing after, uh, weekend updates. Um, Mm -hmm. CJ and Todd gave me a chance to do weekend updates. I'd never done updates before. And um, I just listened to, I think, uh, Lynn the day before and came in that day. And Bram was doing the Kentucky Derby, by the way. Uh, That was the first day. But actually, you know what? That was the year before. What am I talking about? That would have been the year before. Yeah, because Kentucky Derby was the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2003 was the first year at the station. Um, but But God, I remember how fired up all of us were. I remember that press conference and Bugs and you know uh, all the, he had the whole gang back together and it was oh, like yeah. here we go we I don't think we had any doubt that Gibbs would come back and succeed and save us well, from he, these first five years of the Snyder reign. Yeah, no, I, as a matter of fact, um, you know he good old George Michael got may he rest in peace. 
the night before the announcement came, uh, there was what they called the bulldog edition of the Washington Post, which would come out at like 10 o'clock at night. And uh, he held it up on his sportscast and he said, this is not happening. I have talked to Joe Gibbs. He is not coming back. Oh, really? And it was announced the next day. And uh, George flew out to uh, to, to his uh, auto place in, uh, in, in the Carolinas and did an interview with him. And the rest is history. But, um, you know, we, we did not was for sure. I mean, when when uh, when they when Steve Spurrier quit from the golf course, uh, there were a lot of names thrown around, including Dion, who had not yet retired as a player. Remember, Dion had had sat out uh, and uh, sat out a couple of years, and he was talking about coaching. That name came up. Ray Rhodes seemed to be the choice right. at that time. Right, exactly. And, and then, and then, so so this is announced, and then they start to have the news conference. Now, the news conference that was something in itself. In that, hundreds of people lined the long driveway in Ashburn just to watch his limousine pull yeah. up. And and he was doing, he not only did the news conference, but he did the one-on-ones, including one with George. And, and he said something like, uh, hey, you know, this is uncharted territory. We, <laughs> we may fail here. And I'm thinking, my slow, <laughs> Joe, stop, come on, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and then the first year, uh, it didn't go well. Um, and in fact... Well, it started uh, well remember, against Tampa with Clinton Portis's first yeah. carry. Won the first game, but but then it became clear he was trying to run a 1980s offense in, in 2004. But I remember also from training camp because we were working with Joe Jacoby at the time, and uh, and Jake came in the studio. He goes, uh, "I'm watching this. He's doing the same stuff that we did." Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, "Yeah, well, that was really good back then. I hope it still works." <laughs> yeah. And it and it took it took him a year to realize that it wouldn't. In fact, we did the radio show with him the first year. It only lasted I remember a year because he's like. He didn't like our questions, but um, but we we would ask him about certain things like the shotgun, and you know because thirty one teams in the league were running shotgun, and he said, "No, you go on the shotgun." He says, "I'll put you in the shotgun." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then the next year they're running shotgun. So it, it took him it took him a year to get his feet wet again to to realize how the league was working at that time. Yeah. Um... I don't remember all of the details leading up to it. I remember waking up that morning and, you know, we had the internet in 2004. We had had it for almost 10 years at that point. Um, and I remember reading it, I think, on like ESPN.com. I don't, do you remember who broke the story? Uh, I think it was Jay Glazer, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was him. Hmm. Um, so that's number one. Number two for me, and this is where, I mean, the list is pretty short here, so you got to reach a little bit. I think that that awful week in 2007 when Sean Taylor passed away, the organization really handled everything that it's, you know, it's hard to handle that stuff and you can't really be wrong in handling that stuff, but I think everything that the organization did came off as incredibly sympathetic and first class and you yeah, know and I yeah. do remember people talking there. about yeah. Snyder uh, in including us talking about you know give, give the, the, this team's done a, a lot here to to make this you know this ha- awful tragedy um mm-hmm. yeah anyway that was yeah, my yeah, number the two. only thing was the, the he had a news conference sitting next to Joe Gibbs and of all the times you wanted to hear from Snyder, this is the one time that he shouldn't have, have spoken yeah. because he just opened up with some unprepared, like, oh, we're, we're, we're just so sad, so sad, so sad. And then Gibbs took over and was incredibly eloquent, you know, as he, as he always was in, in these kind of things and, and said things about Sean Taylor and his life and the person he was, et cetera, et cetera. They flew the whole team down there. And remember this, too. Um, they played a game the following week against Buffalo. And he had, uh, this was Gibbs, where you know people were starting to wonder about Gibbs at that point because he called the back-to-back timeouts at the end of the game. Remember that? Oh, to yeah, turn of course. A long field goal into a very makeable one, and they lost. The following day, they got on a plane, the whole team, and they flew down to Miami for the funeral. They had a Thursday game at home that week against Chicago. So, so they had to turn around in just a, a couple of days, 
And then Jason Campbell hurts his knee. Todd Collins comes in. They managed to beat Chicago, win their last, what, four games, and they got into the playoffs. So yeah. that was that was pretty remarkable. But you're right. They, they did overall handle that very well. I think that one of the most – I think for me, um, and we were apart then because that was the, the first year, second year of Red Zebra. Red Zebra. And so yeah. I was doing the show with Rigo and Gary and Bram was at the station and Bram and I were hosting pregame and Jake and I were doing postgame um, during those years. And anyway, long story short, I do think that that's one of the most memorable weeks uh, for me in this business was because I remember Castleberry. Remember, we went to bed the night before thinking that Sean Taylor was on the up and up because the report because of the irresponsible Vinny Serrato. from Vinny Serrato. Yeah, yeah. Vi- Vi- yeah. Vinny, that was part of the reason. Vinny had some encouraging comments um, about his condition improving, and at 4.30 in the morning, my phone rang at home, and it was Castleberry saying, you got to get into the station, he died. And the yeah. next several days were all surreal, but that Buffalo game, that was the most incredible um, and surreal stadium environment I can ever remember. The The, the moment of silence was unbelievable um, before the game. And then, you know, the end of that game with Gibbs calling the back-to-back timeouts was just so awful. Um, and then somehow, you know, Gibbs figured it out, always did at the end of the year. You know, they win four in a row, they go into the postseason, and they, they had Seattle in a bit of trouble there in the fourth quarter before they got blown out, uh, you know, at the, at the end. But anyway, so um, I have one other thing on my Snyder good moment list. What have I missed, if anything? Can you come up with anything? Um, well, I mean, you know, he, he did <laughs> the stadium that was thrown up in an hour and a half by Jack Ked Cook. Uh, did need some improvements, and he did put, uh, I, I think it was reported, $100 million into, into fixing it up. So he, he did he did some of that, um, and there was a, you know, a little bit of a better feeling about that. Um, gosh, what else? I mean, there, there's just so, so most of it involves things like, you know, suing the grandmother for the, for the club seats yeah. and no, uh, yeah. just, you know, yeah, just one one vicious, wicked act after another. I, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to think of good. There probably were a few good things along the way, and I'm sure you know you would hear you know you hear like coaches talk about how charitable he was and how he helped people out and and, and so forth. And and people who have money should do that. But you know, I mean, by and large, his legacy is of one of a, a dastardly man who's who's chased out of town. Really, I mean, that's 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 really what happened here. Yeah, the, the the other thing that I had on my t- top three, and, and really the only three, um, is for, look, for better or worse, and it depends on your perspective, um, but for the people that thought it was for the better, he hung in there with that name and fought off the activists and, and, and those that, that wanted that name sacked. Um, and he had the data on his side. It was not a hard fight but it was a an exhausting fight and i i certainly would have never said what he said to the U, to usa today when he said never 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 you can put it in caps that was you know that was his um that, that was just that was typical impulse and uh, lack of self-awareness but you know i, I think l- Owners that felt differently um, in in their overall kind of outlook on things may have succumbed to you know what was very much you know a small percentage but a loud percentage of people um, that that wanted the name changed. But eventually, as we've already talked about, he got chased uh, out of that. Well, as I well. mean, I think um, I think what you've laid out there is is an incredibly polarizing opinion. There are many people on your side. And just as many on the other side, and I don't think there's really a middle on any of that. You know, that, I, that I don't. A, oh, I don't. Polarizing opinion. None of the data would suggest that it's that that it's split. I mean, the last real polling we had was 90 percent of Native Americans saying that they did not consider it to be derogatory or pejorative, and they didn't think that it was insensitive and didn't want it changed. I think the large majority of people, and the only people that matter in this conversation, are Native Americans. They have never. Mm-hmm in large majority had an issue with the name. 
Um, but there are those that have had it. And I saw a film that was produced by Aviva Kempner and, and Kevin Blackestone where it lays it out that for them, at least the ones that appeared in this film, it's the same as the N-word. Yeah, except that you've still got a half dozen to a dozen Native American high schools with the supposed yeah, N-word as their team's nickname. That, 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 I just, why, why are we doing this? You and I shouldn't be doing this. This isn't the day to do this. You know how I feel. You know how I feel. Like I don't, To me, the, the, the worst part of the entire debate is comparing it um, to the N-word, because it's just not true. Um, there may be people well, that think it's true, but it's such a tiny, tiny percentage of those people that, you know, look, you, you bring up any kind of po- any kind of controversial topic, you're always going to find 10% of people that have a problem with it. In, in, many, in many cases, they're motivated to feel that way. Um, but anyway, wh- whatever, we move on to Josh Harris. So... Mm. We never thought we'd, like, at any point before last November when they announced their retaining Bank of America, did you ever think we would actually see this day? No, no. I mean, the, the, the owners don't don't give up their teams. And we've had bad owners in the past, uh, but they passed away, like Earsay and Bidwell and people like that. And yeah. here's a here's a guy in his 50s who, who's going to be around for a while. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I did not think... It would happen, and um, now that it has, you have people who are pretty much in our wheelhouse, right? I mean, these are guys in their in their fifties. In the case of Mitch Rails, who I know a little bit, is in his sixties, and their frame of reference for the great times is the same as ours. They they remember the eighties and and even the the seventies, where George Allen took the team to a Super Bowl, and that's something that they have to recreate and. At least my efforts to, to try to get that through to uh, to Jason Wright have, have not worked. So if, if <laughs> I had the opportunity yeah. to talk to either one of them, I would say, you know, let's appeal to the people who are in our age group, you know, probably between 50 and 70, and say, you remember the days of going to games, you remember what it was like if you went with your dad or you went with your friends or however it worked. And that's the kind of atmosphere we want to recreate there. And if uh, this, these marketing efforts that I've seen, even with Brian LaFamina, oh, let's try and get the millennials to go. You're not going to do it. They have no, no good memories of, of, of the good times. You've got to appeal to the people like you and I who have some disposable income and kids, in my case, grand, a granddaughter. And, and those are the people I think that you have to reach to try and get them to, to bring up the generation that was missed like my son and your sons, of, of kids who could have become fans but didn't because the team was so bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you on that. I, I don't I don't know what the answer is. Um I would bet that in today's day and age, their marketing people will say there's a whole group of people um, that used to be super passionate that aren't anymore, and that's going to be a harder sell than mm-hmm. attracting a younger person who is, for all intents and purposes, an independent voter. They haven't made up their mind and will have and provide much greater lifetime value to us because, you know, the, the guy that's 65 or 70 that's lost interest there's not a lot of lifetime value left, even though he's got more disposable income than the 25 year old. Um, I don't okay, but but yeah, it, it, okay. You, your sons, your sons are all out of college. They're right. grown, and yep. uh, I guess one of one of them lives in California, but the other two are relatively nearby. One in New, right? one in New York, one in, in L.A., and one here. Yeah. Okay, and so you got and you live. got one in New York and one here. Yeah, and my daughter and 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 my son-in-law actually, who's who's 35, is is sort of a fan. He he's sort of uh, he's part of that lost generation that kind of, you know, wandered in and, and, and uh, you know, he buys gear and watches games and things like that. So if, if you were appealing to me, you'd say, Andy, here's a four-season ticket package that's going to be very attractive for you, and, you know, you can bring, you bring your family and, and your granddaughter as she gets older, you know, she's going to fan. Those are the people I'd be marketing to. I would not be marketing to people who are my son's age who never had any interest. I, I want people... Who, who at least can look at Burgundy and Gold and say, oh, yeah, those were some great days. 
That's that's the way I would feel about or it. Or scarlet and white or whatever they are. Um, whatever they are now, yeah. <laughs> but that that, yeah. that 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 you know, my uh, son can't. My son was in a in a bassinet when they went to the Super Bowl the last time. Um, so he has no no real feeling for success with this team. You and 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 he couldn't. I'm sure your son's the same thing, right? Yeah, I mean, none of them care anywhere approaching. Like, I've got three boys. I would say one of them doesn't care at all. Uh, The other two, you know, one of them's lukewarm. I think he would be back, you know. Um, I think he'd be into it. And the other one really would like to see him be good again um, and, you know, live up to uh, and and have the experience that, that we had. I just don't think that that'll be the marketing strategy going after uh, you know, an not, older but, demographic. But it, just, it, but it just seems like they, they've ignored us, and and the history of the team seems to have been forgotten, and not and because the people don't know it. These guys, I think, know it. And I, another thing about Snyder, that was always to me oversold that he was this lifelong. Well, you and I have talked about this thing. forever. I agree with you a hundred percent on this. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so I don't think he had a real feel for it. No. So I think these guys do, though. Yeah, I, I, Dan. I think Dan's father was a big fan. I think Dan, yeah. because his father was a big fan, was you know, uh, it, it certainly paid attention. But Dan's not the kind of fan that you were, that I was, that a lot of the people that are listening to this right now were. He can't go yeah, back I mean, and talk he, about games or players other no. than Sonny. You know. Um, yeah, I'm telling you that, that, that when in one of the early interviews that we did with him, I asked him who, what players he liked to watch. You know what he said? No, Sonny and Sam. Yeah, Sam retired when I think he was one or two. Right, right. And Sonny retired when he was like five. That's right. Come on. That's right. Yeah. He was not a real hardcore fan. Uh, no. It's just no. not. There were there. Were, I think I remember that interview, and I uh, there were other times when he was asked things where I was like, he doesn't know anything about this team. Um, no, no. So, uh, Josh Harris comes to you on Friday after he gets the team, and he says, "Give me, give me a couple of things you think that uh, I should be working on right away." Well, I mean, one is is to have a news conference, and now you know things are different now for uh, introducing yourself to the fan base. I mean, it used to be that you would do sit down interviews with the three sports anchors or the four in town. Who are they now? So, you know, right. what do you do? Um, or you would sit down with one of the top columnists. Well, Barry's Verluga still has that kind of clout, I guess. You, you would do something like that. But you've got to get the fan base to know you a little bit and know what you're all about, right? Don't you think that's important? Yeah, I just think that it, it, it almost doesn't matter because this guy will have the longest honeymoon, longest grace period that any new sports team owner okay. has had but- in, our, in recent memory. But what's your? But I don't want him to blow the press conference. No, I. I it, no. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I want you to, to get the message across. You know, buy in now. We're, we're, we're building, and when we're good, you're going to want to be a part of this. And uh, you know, and and the old days are gone, and we're we're going to be different than we were, and we'll be. Everybody uses the word transparent, but you know, just just let people know that whatever went on here for 24 years isn't going to happen again. Those days are long gone. I asked Zabe the other day, uh, should he mention the Snyders at all? Zabe said, absolutely not. I agree with him. I, I can't even think of a way he could say, even in a very obligatory way, anything about Dan that people wouldn't roll their eyes at. I think it's yeah. a total focus on what's next and no mm-hmm. recognition for what uh, has just occurred over the last 24 years. Yeah, and, and maybe, uh, now I don't know how much referencing he would do with the Sixers and the, and the Devils. I mean, they really haven't won anything. So, you know, I don't know how, how much that's going to help them. But, well, uh, I mean, the Devils are con- the Devils are considered one of the better teams in the NHL right now, and you know, I got into it with oh, I got into it. I had Howard Eskin on the show, the radio show, the other day, and he can't stand um, you know uh, Josh Harris. He said he called him a carpetbagger, said that he's only interested in making money, and that the teams aren't very good. I go, the Seventy Sixers after the process ended up with Joel Embiid, and they've won fifty plus games four times in the last six seasons, and. 
been to the playoffs six straight years. Like Washington, the, the our, our NBA franchise, they haven't won 50 or more games in 44 years. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Howard doesn't understand the landscape. I mean, the Eagles are not that far removed from winning a Super Bowl and playing at a Super Bowl. Yeah. So it's it's a different yeah. Any, it's a different yeah. look here. Yeah. So I um. There are a couple things that I I, I would say to them just, you know, uh, if I had a minute or two. Number one is, you know, be – treat people well and be humble because we just lived through mean-spirited, dumb, and arrogant for 25 years. And the the last part of that, the arrogant part, is a controllable part, and so is the first part. But, uh, you know, this is – there are lovable losers in sports, and this was a hateable loser because of the way they behaved. Behavior actually oh, yeah. matters. One of the reasons we, we love the team because we love the team, and they won from the time George Allen arrived until Gibbs left in 93, but they were also a first-class group always. You know, um, everything about the organization reeked of, you know, high-end, you know, classy, um, and humble, you know, the the constant under-promising and over-delivering. And I would mention that. Like, the, we've been over-promised yep. and delivered nothing for 25 years. Don't promise us anything. You don't need to. You're in a grace right, period. Right. You're in a honeymoon period. And then hire the best p- possible football person. Let them run the football operation and make all the football uh, decisions. We haven't had that. It was Vinny and Dan, and then it was Bruce and a couple of coaches. We've actually never had a true football decision-making GM hire the best of the best, give them what they want, and get the hell out of their way. And then my last piece of advice, and you know, not to bring up this issue again because we just talked about it, but they absolutely should take seriously the brand, the name, and the brand. Now, if they ultimately decide because it makes better sense economically or whatever the reasons are to stick with commanders in the current, you know, uniforms fine and explain that to everybody. But if they come in and say, that's not even on our radar, uh, we're not going to address that at all. We're sticking with commanders. We're fine with it. That's a miss re uh, miss reading of the room. The majority, agree. Agree. the majority of this fan base wants to hear that they're going to explore this name and brand situation, and you know, take your time on it. You, we don't need an answer today, um, but at the very least, they have to take that that conversation seriously rather than blowing it off, which a smaller portion of the fan base would like it just to be blown off. You can do multiple things at once. You can focus on building a winning football team, which should be the top priority, no doubt. You can focus on building a culture of, you know, kinder, uh, smarter, and and more humble people in your organization. And you can also look into this name, which, by the way, has no value at all. There's no equity built up at all. You're not no. getting rid of something no. with any kind of value. Um I agree. So anyway, yep. um, no, I, I agree with all that, and and you know just just to highlight one of your humble uh, points, uh, this is another early uh, sign. I remember Doc Walker particularly upset about this after they won that division in his first year in '99. They hung division champion <laughs> banners across the facility, oh, yeah. and Doc said. Uh, you boys want to check the trophy case over there? We got three Lombardis. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the standard, not yeah. not that division title. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, this guy came 24 years ago. I hate giving him credit for that first playoff win in '99. For me, he had one playoff win as an owner. One, one, and it came 17 years ago. I mean, With Chris Sims. As the quarterback, Chris Sims. <laughs> for Tampa, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, all right, what else? Yeah, no, I think we 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 covered a lot of ground there, and uh, you know this this is a this will probably be one that we'll talk about for for years to come. But uh, boy, this was a this was a hell of an experience, and and you know the ironic thing about Snyder becoming the owner is he came in with two guys named Milstein. And the other owners didn't want anything to do with Milstein. And I believe it was Wellington Mara 
who went to Dan Snyder and said, we like you, get yourself some investors, we'll take you. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Wellington Mara was a fine man, but that was not his finest moment. Uh, well, and remember, Wellington Mara, uh, well, John Mara stuck it to this franchise with that salary yeah. cap penalty because he could, John couldn't stand Dan. Well, none of them could stand Dan. But, you know, um, Shapiro, Len told me the other day, he said, ultimately, Milstein was a no-go for the owners because they considered him to be overly litigious. Right. And Dan to be, you know, a, a guy that they could work with. Um, I read some of the yeah, quotes well, they, from they, back then in the opening of the show, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they saw him as a young... I mean, didn't you think when you heard 34 years old, this guy was a dynamo? Didn't you assume that? Andy... To get to the... the, the Andy, I I was, look, I was not working in broadcasting, as you know. I was involved in, uh, you know, at that time it was the second or third of the tech startups that I was involved in. And, uh, you know, I I was basically his age, and I was excited about it. I'm like, yeah, this is like the the world's changing. Technology's become a big part of it. and, And so I was all in on you know, somebody 34 years old. I do remember, though, what we just talked about a little while ago. I remember realizing very quickly, this guy's really not a fan. Like, I could tell. Like, anybody that was a real hardcore fan, couple of interviews in, like you said, he's naming Sonny and Sam as his favorite Mm -hmm. players of all time. No, that was was fake. Um, And then... You know, there were obviously in the first year indications. But again, I I, I didn't think we were doomed. I certainly didn't think we oh, were doomed this? when Gibbs came back. But How about this? A, a person we both know very well who I think has incredible powers to sniff out phonies. Tony Kornheiser. Yeah. Tony was friends with him in the early years. I remember. I mean, they were actually so was Will Bond. Friends. So was Will Bond. Yeah. And, and, and Tony, Tony talked about being invited to a Rolling Stones concert with Snyder, and they had the, the pregame meal with them. And, you know, I mean, Tony is not, as, as you know and I know, he, he's not one of those guys. He's not a, he's not a, a jock-sniffing no. type of person. No. And, and he, he somehow found a friendship with him. I'm, I'm not sure what the common ground was, but they were actual friends for the first few years. Well, again, <laughs> that gets back to Snyder was a big star effort. And so if yeah. you were a big star, you know, he was in awe. And so, you know, you were just like, wow, you know, this guy seems okay. He really likes me a lot and wants yeah. to do a lot of things for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. But Tony's the kind of guy who would say to you, oh, yeah, he wants to chum up to me. I'm not buying that crap. And, and he did. <laughs> yeah, but, so, yeah, about yeah, but he also was an owner of an NFL team. And it just paid eight hundred million dollars for it. Uh, no, I. But yeah. you're right. I agree. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, good talk. Good talk. <laughs> good talk. Uh, good talk. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Are you going to celebrate it all? Are you going to do anything to celebrate? Um, I don't know. You know, Zabe at one point was talking about doing this podcast and having people come down. But like a lot of Zabe plans, it's not going to get off the ground. <laughs> I was on so. his. Yeah, I was on his pod last night. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. Z- as we've said about our our good friend Steve Zabin and your longtime partner Steve Zabin, I don't think there's a better ideas guy than Zabe. Yeah. It's just the yeah. follow through tends to not always work out. Although when he's really passionate about something, he does yep. follow through. I mean, you know yeah, that and golf and tournament for years. And, yeah, he, he ran the Potomac Cup for right. ten years. It was a great event. Great yeah. event. Yeah, he great has event. that ability, no question. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See ya. Thanks for doing this. Uh, take care. All right. Bye. All right, that is it for the show today. Back tomorrow. We'll probably be the biggest, um, you know, underdog in the history of sports. They know how important this is going to be. We know how important this is going to be. Both three and two. We got a huge game next week for us. We're going to play the best football of our life. You know, I, I say each week, I guess that's the paranoia of the coach. I say each week, week again, the next game is bigger than, <laughs> than any game we've ever played. This is going to be a, 
first-class, big-time football game. I'm counting on our fans. you got to help us. I'm thrilled that we're coming back home in front of our crowd. Our fans is the one thing I can count on. I want to get back in front of our fans. I want to start off by saying a big thanks to all of our fans out there. Yesterday, I walked in that stadium, and I felt like the electricity in there. I felt like my heart was right out here beating. <laughs> our fans here are kind of what makes us tick. It's the greatest sports franchise in the world and the greatest fans in the world. Our fans, the greatest sports fans in the world and uh, uh, the greatest sports franchise. Everybody here has heard me say it, but this is the greatest uh, sports franchise with the greatest fans in the world. I appreciate everybody praying for us and uh, and uh, pulling for us and everybody in that stadium the other night and then everybody else, just period, out there watching. We appreciate you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.